Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, November 10th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. The U.S. election was the focus on this week's West Block as Mercedes spoke with former chair of the Democratic National Committee, Howard Dean, about the election results and why it was such a close race in the end. Next, we look at the local angle of the U.S. election. We'll speak with Dwayne Bratt, political scientist with Mount Royal University, to find out what a win for Joe Biden could mean for politics here in Alberta. It's a Calgary landmark. One city councillor is working toward making a national historic site. We speak with Ward 6 councillor Jeff Davison about the battalion numbers on Signal Hill. And finally, Calgary seniors have found a crafty way to honour veterans this Remembrance Day. We hear about the Silvera for Seniors handcrafted poppy display. 609 on your Tuesday morning. The Trump administration obstructing the presidential transition after the election. Donald Trump still refusing to accept Joe Biden's win. Well, the U.S. election was the topic of discussion on the West Block this past weekend. And the host and Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson joins us now. Hi, Mercedes. Hi, Sue. Wow. So much to talk about from uh, what went on over the weekend. Uh, but when you chatted with Howard Dean, former chair of the Democratic National Committee, you were talking about why the election was so close. Now, we've started to see those numbers sort of come apart a little bit farther, but still a close race between Biden and Trump. What were his thoughts on that? Well, it was interesting why he thought it was so close, because, you know, a lot of Democrats were projecting there was going to be a landslide mm-hmm. and there wasn't. Uh, and he essentially said he thought there was two things. He, he didn't think Biden at the end of the day was actually that exciting of a candidate uh, because he felt there was a more exciting candidate. You might have seen a lot more turnout or a lot more votes for Biden. He also says that he believed um, the, the motivation for a lot of the people voting for Donald Trump. And he said he doesn't think all of them are Republicans, uh, but they're people who are feeling downtrodden. They're feeling left behind. They're feeling angry. And he said that he believes in his experience of politics has shown him one of the most powerful predictors and motivators for people going to the polls is if they are, in fact, angry. Um, and so that was essentially what he attributed it to being so close to. He, he believes that Biden will be the president. President, uh, that he will remain, that he will successfully have defeated Donald Trump after a single term. Uh, but yeah, he, he did acknowledge that this was a lot closer um, than I think a lot of Democrats thought it would be, and certainly a lot closer than a lot of Democrats think it should have been. Well, I'm still on the topic of the election. You had the chance to speak with White House reporter for Bloomberg News, Josh Wingrove, about Trump's next moves. I don't think the moves were surprising, but any insight as to whether or not Trump might find some success in his legal journey? Well, I mean, this is the big question. So far, there hasn't been any. What Josh told us, and he'd been on Air Force Run throughout the campaign. Uh, he's, he's been following what Donald Trump says very closely. Uh, he was saying that, you know, they've not seen the things that Donald Trump is is claiming to be true about um, fraud at the polls, about allegations of illegal ballots being cast or counted or thrown out. Um, And there is still some legal challenges that are underway. And, you know, in the American system, this is a a legal thing to do. You can choose to challenge results. You can demand recounts. You can demand investigations. That's all starting now, and it will unfold. It'll probably take weeks to months for that to happen. Uh, But Josh told me that he had not seen or been able to find anybody who had seen the kind of voter fraud that Donald Trump has been alleging, that there's just been no evidence for it that he's aware of. 
Let's talk about uh, when you chatted with Francois-Philippe Champagne, so Canada's foreign affairs minister, and what this all means for Canada. Because, you know, as we continue to watch the fallout south of the border, there's always an effect on us. Oh, absolutely. There's always an effect. Uh, Donald Trump, you know, was a challenging partner for any government, uh, particularly for this liberal government. We saw ourselves become the subject of national security tariffs on multiple occasions, and it really shocked Canadians because this is a very close relationship to be called a national security threat over steel and aluminum, I think was not only economically damaging and shocking to many Canadians, but it it offended them uh, because the thought there would be a national security threat to the U.S. just did not add up. So essentially a Biden administration in some ways, um, they're saying they believe will be a great partner for them. Uh, It sounds like they think Perhaps the tariffs are over. That doesn't mean the economic woes, though, in some cases, Uh, because certainly when it comes to the economy, Joe Biden is a big Buy America guy. What I found interesting is that Francois-Philippe Champagne said he's going to try to convince them to do Buy North American. So to essentially uh, (laughs) wrap the Canadian market in on that, Um, I don't know whether or not they're going to be successful in trying to convince the U.S. of that, but that's their plan. They'll have to deal with Biden, who said that he's going to cancel Keystone XL. This government says, look, it's already under construction. Uh, They think they can talk him out of it. We'll see if that's possible. I think they'll find a lot of common ground when it comes to COVID-19 and when it comes to environmental projects. They are like-minded there. And, of course, Biden was Barack Obama's vice president. uh, And Barack Obama and Justin Trudeau had a very close relationship. And we're already seeing a bit of that reflected in that yesterday, uh, Justin Trudeau called Joe Biden. And in the Trudeau readout of the call, it asserted that Justin Trudeau was the first foreign leader to speak with the United States president. Uh, I think there's probably people working very hard behind the scenes to get that so that they could say it. And then mm-hmm. finally, of course, there's a big question of what happens on the two Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not such a hard line against China in, in a Biden administration. Does that mean he'll drop the extradition request against Meng, uh, particularly if he goes back to the Iran deal that, that uh, had been there before? Um, will he push harder for them to be released? That all remains to be seen but will be something they're looking at very closely. Mercedes, I want to switch gears and something that I saw on your uh, Twitter page that you had retweeted is about that, uh, the news everybody was talking about yesterday, Pfizer and their core, uh, coronavirus vaccine uh, could be 90% effective, uh, according to early data, of course. But the Canadian government, we have stringent uh, you know, regulations here, um, you know, even if this was the successful vaccination. What are you hearing as far as a timeline that a, the, the Canadian government might approve a vaccine that is a, a working vaccine? Well, that's a great question, and and we've asked when they think there could be a vaccine. And the numbers we came to get between both the health minister, uh, the chief science officer, and Dr. Theresa Tam, so three different sources in in government at very senior bureaucratic and political levels, all seem to be saying that they think there could be an effective vaccine before the end of 2020 or at potentially being given out by 2021. Um, So I'm not sure how Health Canada will handle this, if they will simply just accelerate the approval, if they will do it, first of all, as a trial vaccine. Obviously, we need to see more than what we've seen so far, but the consistent timelines that I've been hearing in government is that they think it would be possible at least it's possible not yet distributed and everything else to, to start going out the door by then um, now keep in mind other things i've heard from government officials the vaccine may need to be refrigerated and you may need more than one dose mm-hmm. so even if they can 
speed up Health Canada approving it, it still won't be immediate because of the logistics around delivering it and keeping it cold if it in fact needs that in its final version. But boy, uh, you know, a, a good bet when Canada bought 20 million doses of that Pfizer vaccine unknown at the time which they think, as you were saying, maybe two doses, so 10 million people potentially could be vaccinated. Should this go through and, and be the one that, you know, that moves on to trials of or goes into the public, I should say, beyond trials, right? Yeah, this this is one of the ones, as you mentioned, Sue, that we've, we've bought into. Um, and there's, there's sort of been some criticism of the government at times because other countries bought vaccines first, which means we're, you know, third down the list, perhaps, to get them. Uh, but Canada has bought doses of this vaccine. They seem confident that Pfizer will be able to deliver it if, in fact, it is uh, successful. Um, and, and all those questions that are sort of still percolating around. But I think some some hopeful news for folks who are heading into the winter and, and you know, yet mm-hmm. another, uh, if not lockdown, very limited version of our previous lives and uh, really hoping for that vaccine. But, you know, um, Dr. Tam said to us in her interview two weeks ago to, to keep in mind that we, we just don't know a lot about immunity rates. We don't know a lot about, um, you know, how the vaccine will work. So there's certainly still big challenges ahead. But obviously, um, that was some really good news. If we can get a vaccine, um, that would change a lot. Whether this will be the vaccine, we'll find out. I guess we will. Time will tell. Thanks <laughs> for your time this morning, Mercedes. Thank you. That is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. 709 now, and for Alberta politicians, the immediate question in the wake of Joe Biden's victory in the U.S. is what's the best route forward now to work with the new administration? Political scientist with Mount Royal University, Dwayne Bratt, joins us this morning with more on what the U.S.'s new president could mean for politics here in Alberta. Morning, Dwayne. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much for joining us. You were quoted in an interesting article, you know, talking about what Joe Biden's win means to us here in terms of Alberta and our politics. So your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden is a known quantity. You know, he's he was vice president for eight years. He was uh, in the Senate uh, for decades prior to that. So he would be a normal president, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. It would be a professional relationship without surprises that would include a lot of process. I think that is a benefit to to all Canadians, including Albertans. After the unpredictability of of four years of the of the Trump administration, that unpredictability mm-hmm. appears to be continuing for the next two months. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the main things that came out when Biden's name came up immediately was it would be the death knoll for the Alberta energy industry, full stop. Do you buy that, that it's in uh, black or white? I, I think that's a, that's a gross exaggeration. I think Keystone is in jeopardy. Um, Obama was vice president, or sorry, uh, Biden was vice president with Obama when Obama vetoed Keystone Pipeline. Uh, then Trump reversed that, and there is a, a chance, possibly even a good chance, that, that Biden would reverse that. And, and go back to, to canceling that. That's why uh, Jason Kenney emphasized energy security uh, in his congratulations. Um, but both Kenny and Philip Champagne, the, uh, the foreign minister, are going to work together on, on dealing with this because there are a lot of American interests at stake here. But even if you move Keystone to the side, um, there's other issues. Uh, I think Biden will have a climate plan. He campaigned on that. But it would 
level the playing field, I think, between Canada and the United States. Canada, over the last four years, has had a stronger climate plan that has hurt our competitive uh, abilities vis-a-vis the United States. A Biden administration would change that. He would start bringing the U.S. up to where Canada is and, and likely working with Canada, rejoining the Paris Accord on Climate Change uh, and, and the like. So I think that is uh, the larger energy climate picture beyond Keystone. Dwayne, there seems to be, you know, with the election of Joe Biden, uh, you know, a sense of, uh, you know, unhappiness, of, of pessimism in the United States and needing a change and, and, you know, doing something drastic to get to kickstart perhaps the economy and everything else going on in the United States right now. Can we learn anything from that or do you see any sort of uh, significance in terms of how you compare it to Alberta? Uh, I think that malaise was more apparent in the in the 2016 election. I think Joe Biden was able to, to flip some of that. But the fact that um, over 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump, I think, shows that that is is still there, that economic anxiety in some places. Um, And Jared Wesley, my colleague at the University of Alberta, was making a comparison after a series of, of focus groups throughout rural Alberta and throughout Calgary and Edmonton that there is an economic malaise in Alberta that more situates us with, with the Rust Belt of Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania than it does with, with Texas. Um, and that is the view that, you know, the, the best days may be behind us. Um, the, that doesn't mean that there won't be an economic recovery, but that economic recovery will not go back to the, to the glory days of 2012 or 2007 or 1978. Mm. Uh, and, there's a realization that it's not about a provincial government policy or a federal government policy. It's actually a changing international environment, uh, which is different from downturns in the economy before. And, and I've had this sense, too, for a while, that there's something different that's been going on in this province over the last five years that is, is stronger and more worrisome than previous downturns. I often wonder, uh, Duane, when I, when I see a, an envoy of El... Alberta politicians going to Washington, making their trip to, to what, whatever it is they, wa- they want to move forward, what kind of an impact a province can have uh, going to talk to, you know, leaders of a nation to a large extent compared to, you know, Justin Trudeau having a meeting with uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, it, it's, it's a coordination. Um, Alberta's been doing this for years. So have other provincial governments. And the federal government has encouraged a lot of this activity because the United States, although we're fixated on the office of the presidency, the U.S. is very decentralized. Uh, Congress, individual congressmen have a lot of clout, uh, various interest groups, various states. And so we need to engage right across the United States. And we did that during the NAFTA negotiations, uh, that we worked with northern states. We worked with uh, chambers of commerce. We worked with uh, people in Congress on both sides of the border, different aspects of the administration. And when you saw... Trudeau working with Doug Ford, working with Brad Wall, working with Rachel Notley, you show how distinct and unified that is. It was interesting, the the statements on Keystone that have come up in the last couple days show a coordination between Jason Kenney and Justin Trudeau. Um, And I think that needs to continue, and they need to work with the state of Louisiana, uh, the the state of Nebraska, the state of North Dakota, where the, the route goes through. Uh, as well as the various interest groups and congressional leaders uh, in the United States.
too often because of news coverage, we're, we're fixated on the president. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of centers for power in the United States. Is there is it the energy industry that will sort of be the focus then as, as you know, Jason Kenney, but Canadian politicians as a whole sort of look towards the United States? And will that be one of the bigger challenges? Well, particularly that's, always, from ours? that's always the, the focus of the Alberta government. But I think the Canadian government has a lot more other things to to deal with. I talked about environmental policy, but just the reset of Canadian-U.S. relations and getting away from, you know, the the unilateral tariffs on steel and aluminum and, and the brinksmanship around NAFTA and, quite frankly, reopening the border. Dealing with COVID uh, and, uh, is, is an important step. But we had been dealing with an administration that had greatly politicized the wearing of masks that had been promoting crack uh, cures for the disease that seemed to minimize social distancing. Uh, There was another outbreak at Trump's election watch party Mm -hmm. that hit his chief of staff, one of his cabinet secretaries, and the leader of his legal uh, team. Um, And so if we want the border opened, and I think we do want the border open, think about the effect that this is having on Alberta tourism, for example, They need to get COVID under control. And Biden's announcement of a new task force that was top-notch, that didn't include family members, that didn't include Biden loyalists, but um, top-notch scientists scientists and doctors, Um, the the announcement, the promising announcement, but not a cure yet, um, but of of testing that Pfizer had done on a a COVID um, vaccine. These are all promising steps. And so that's something else that, that Canada needs to work with the United States, not just Alberta. Going to be an interesting several months, and I guess a year, a couple of years ahead for sure. Thanks for your time this morning, Dwayne. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Sue. That's Dwayne Brad, political scientist with Mount Royal University. 819 now, and one Calgary councillor is asking for his fellow council members to back him in giving the battalion numbers down on Signal Hill in the southwest a National Historic Designation. Ward 6 councillor Jeff Davison joins us now. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good morning. I can't believe this has not been done before. Those are, you know, an iconic part of of Calgary, those numbers that are there. So talk to us about, you know, how this kind of all got started and, and, and why now. Well, you're, you're right. I mean, it's kind of shocking that this doesn't have federal designation. I mean, you consider that uh, Camp Sarsi trained over 45,000 soldiers back during World War One. It was the second largest training camp in Canada. Um, we have certain aspects of the park that do have municipal designation and have some provincial designation, uh, but we've never gotten federal designation. Um, my, my predecessor, former Councillor Putman, actually back in 2015 applied to have this process happen, uh, and it was rejected at the Parks Canada level. So, We've made a new case, uh, and we're going back to try and find that designation now. This this site and this display has been around for more than a couple of years. I was shocked to hear just how long it has been present, Councillor. Yeah, you know, what's really funny is, I mean, I, I grew up in Glamorgan. I mean, I would stare at that hill every single day of mm-hmm. my life when I would leave the house. And it wasn't until sort of the late 90s that it was uncovered that these numbers even existed there. And so, you know, as well, they were placed there back, you know, sort of 1915, 1916, wow. uh, but they were hidden for so, so many years. Uh, some of them were disturbed and obviously got taken out. Some of them were fixed up. Uh, but now we want to really make sure that, uh, you know, not just for the, the cultural and societal impact on, on what we're seeing around the globe right now, but, um, you know, just to ensure that future generations have that as well. So, Jeff, what does the National Historic Designation mean? What Will that set up sort of fencing around it? Does it just mean that it, it can never be destroyed? What, what does that look like? 
Yeah, I mean, really, it won't look much different. I mean, obviously, governments love to put their own plaques on things, so I expect some plaques. Those will be nice. Uh, but ultimately, what it means is over the long term, we've got a 50-50 partner who will come to the table with us and help us maintain the site overall. So things that include the cenotaph and the numbers and, and just the general area. Councillor, what are you hearing from your constituents and, and Calgarians? I'm thinking that this is a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Andrea, it's a lot like what you said. Well, I'm shocked that this this hasn't happened, right? I'm shocked that this mm-hmm. doesn't have federal designation. And so I think, uh, you know, most Canadians really value the, uh, you know, the war efforts uh, our soldiers have put in. Um, I think Calgarians value the fact that, uh, you know, we're proud that we train 45,000 soldiers here. Uh, and, and we want to make sure that over the long haul uh, for the next century, we remember that. Can we the citizens help or is this just going through the process right now? You know, I think the citizens can help. I always think it's great to to sort of reach out to your local uh, representative. And so given that this is a federal push, I think, you know, an email to your, your local MP to say, I think this is a great thing for our city, it never hurts, right? So, Thanks so much for the update and, uh, you know, best of luck that mm-hmm. we get this, uh, get this moved along and move further ahead. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time, guys. That is Jeff Davison, Ward 6 City Councillor. 919 on the morning news. Woven with love and respect for our veterans, residents from Silvera for Seniors communities across Calgary have come together to create a handcrafted poppy display featuring more than 900 poppies. Silvera's CEO, Arlene Adamson, joins us now. Good morning to you, Arlene. Good morning, Andrew. This is a very ambitious project, and I'm hearing totaling 1,400 poppies, but 900 specifically from one center. Tell us about how this came to be, because it's quite ambitious. Well, we've got some wonderful residents uh, across all of our 25 communities, and we set out a challenge, uh, particularly during these challenging months that we've been going through uh, as a city and as a province, with so many residents who are isolated and uh, needing to participate in active programming to keep them active and engaged. And they picked up the poppy challenge, um, and that challenge went across all of our 25 communities. But our Shouldice community, really, six ladies. Uh, jumped right in and started crocheting 900 poppies themselves, which has contributed to a wonderful, beautiful installation of 1,400 poppies uh, that we've hung outside of our Aspen community along Memorial. And uh, really, we it's a tribute to all the many men and women who paid the ultimate price uh, for our freedom. And it's an opportunity for us to not only recognize seniors in our community, but uh, to bring some beauty into the neighborhood and hopefully the, 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 those traveling along Memorial. So Arlene, that would be along Memorial Drive. It's just to the west of the zoo, the zoo correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. We have a number of communities in that particular area mm-hmm. where seniors are calling home and uh, we thought it would be a wonderful way to get the most visibility for um, a very important recognition of our history and of seniors in our community today. I love it. And I'm sure there are a lot of seniors who are, you know, sad that due to COVID, they can't gather to take part in these Remembrance Day ceremonies. So no doubt this was a, a way to, you know, t- for them to feel like they were they were doing something of, of uh, that was good, right? It is. You know, each year, of course, Remembrance Day is an important day in our communities and in our mm-hmm. uh, country. And our residents actively have a, a, a Remembrance Day celebration. This year it'll look a little different, but this is a great way to feel connected with the broader community. That's very important for seniors in our community. We need to make sure that they are acknowledged and seen and honoured um, and that they stay active. And these months have been challenging, but this is a 
a very positive way for them to be physically distanced and yet very engaged. And Arlene, the uh, display will be up obviously through tomorrow, uh, past tomorrow. Do you think people have the opportunity to drive by perhaps uh, on Thursday and Friday as well? Absolutely. We're in no rush to take it down. Seniors need to be recognized in our history and the commitment that um, veterans have made for our freedoms. Um, we're in no rush to take that down. And in fact, I would challenge Calgarians if you're willing to pull out your cro- crochet hooks mm-hmm. and crochet some poppies for us. We'd love to see that at all of our communities, all 25 communities across this city. Um, It's a great way to add beauty into our communities, but also recognize our history and honor seniors. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. And I hope Calgarians drive by and and give a little honk for the seniors that are in that uh, that home, in that area. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That is Arlene Adamson, CEO for Silvera for Seniors. And again, that's the the seniors home that's along Memorial Drive. As you're heading west, you'll see it on your right hand side and see that uh, beautiful handcrafted poppy display along the fence.